I've done a whole teaching on this in the series, I think, Exegesis. The title was Not Ignorant of His Devices. Let's read it together. One, two, go. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not what? Ignorant of his devices. Are we talking about his iPhone, his iPad? What devices are we talking about? His strategies, his schemes. Paul is saying, and in the context, it was a behavioral correctional issue where when you correct someone, if you don't correct them the right way, devil can take that as an advantage to create offense, to bring division. So he said, look, we're not, we know the devil's tactics. We know how he operates. And what I want to do is expose you. I know the direction of this teaching may seem a bit different, but I want to expose the work of the devil today. That's what I want to do. I want to help you not to be ignorant of his devices. Would you like that? See, this guy is a mastermind. This guy has been around for a, for a long time. He studied human behavior. He can tell you and predict what your next move will do. He's not omniscient, but he's been around a long time. Do you understand? But his strategies are the same. They have not changed. They might take different forms. They might latch onto technology and advancement in technology, but it does not change. It's the same. But you cannot be ignorant of it. I'm going to show you this. I think it's important to teach you this so that if you, I think when we talk about demonic oppression or demonic attack, what comes to your mind? A lot of drama, a lot of shaking, a lot of lightning and thunder from Nollywood. We have that picture. But demonic oppression is simply the devil trying to attack you. That's it. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're a great person. Whatever, whoever you are, as long as you are human, you qualify. The Bible describes him as a roaring what? Lion, roaming about, looking for whom to devour. When we read the story of Job, that's exactly what he was doing. Do you realize that? When the princes and the sons of God arrived, and what I mean is it means spiritual celestial beings, they arrived for a meeting, and God asked him, where, where are you coming from? What was his reply? From roaming to and fro the earth. And he found his candidate. Who? Job. <laughs> God knew and he said, have you seen my servant Job? Uh -uh, don't worry, I've seen him. You've put a hedge around him. He's looking. That's his 24-7 that's his job. He's not doing 9 to 5. 24-7, his job is to kill and destroy and to attack you. But his strategies are the same. Amen. I want to expose them, and this is going to lead into the teaching for today. There are three ways the devil attacks. Three major ways. Three major ways. There's no new trick up his sleeve. The first way is this. He infiltrates your mind. That's the first place. He infiltrates your mind. And there are three ways he does this under this call them three A's, but this is what it is. The first one, it could be an addiction. It could be with anxieties. It could be with assertions. I'm going to explain, don't worry. And I'll use our Lord Jesus as the template. When the devil wanted to tempt Jesus, how did he do it? 
Jesus had just been baptized, was led by the Spirit, went to the wilderness to consecrate himself for a while, for 40 days, and the devil met him there. And what did the devil do? The devil tried to tempt him, right? Three temptations. If you are the Son of God, if truly you are the Son of God, as was announced at the baptism, if it's you, turn the stone into bread. And he responds, how? Man shall not live by a gege alone, sorry, by bread alone, <laughs> but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's where sustenance is. He won that battle, but guess what? His assertions were being attacked. And assertions, what I mean is, what do you believe? What are your convictions? He will try to get you to doubt those things. When he asked Eve a question, what did he say to her? He said, did God really say? Did God really say you should not eat of this and you will die? He questions your assertions. One way he does it is he gets your mind. And when I say addictions, this is what I mean. Not just addictions, I mean... Things that inspire lust, be it sexual, be it material, whatever it is, that's how he attacks. Are you with me? This is what he does. The first thing is he attacks your mind. Sometimes, please pay attention, sometimes he can latch onto, he can latch onto, excuse me. Sometimes he can latch on to, thank you so much. <clears throat> hello, hello. Okay, very good. Sometimes he can latch on to pre-existing desires you already have. He has his agents everywhere. He sees. He's not omniscient, he's not omnipotent, he's not omnipresent. But he has, he's, do you understand? He knows what gets you to take. So sometimes when you make a mistake, then he goes to whisper, uses, he uses your voice. When you make that mistake and you fall short, he starts to tell you, hmm, born again, blood washed, saved believer, look at you. Then tomorrow you will go to church, lift up holy hands. And your mind is like, oh, why is my mind saying all these things? I bind it, I bind my... <laughs> As simple and harmless as that may seem, it could be a demonic attack. When you start to doubt the realities of who you are, your place in the Lord, he's attacking it. When he starts to latch onto the things that have drawn you away from the Lord, the pleasures of the past, he's latching onto, he's attacking you, and you may not realize it. When you start to get worried and your attention shifts from the Lord, you're having anxieties. Where will this come from? Where will this supply come from? How would I get this? And your attention is shifting from the Lord. He's attacking your faith. And you might not realize it. It's so subtle that you might miss it. What's the one way he can do this? I'll give you my own examples. But what's the first way he attacks you? Your mind. He attacks your mind. Hallelujah. I'll give, you <laughs> I'll give you real life stories. Let me go to the next one. It makes sense. Let me go to the next one. The second thing he does is he attacks your body. 
he attacks your body. When he realizes that, ah, this person is the way God is going to use you mightily for his kingdom, you are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. We need to kick you out. We need to take you out. So we will try your mind. If we can get your mind, your actions are already going to be aligned. You get. If we can get this place, we're good. I mean, um, Joyce Mayer calls it the battlefield of the mind. If you win that battle of your mind, we're good. But if we cannot get you in that one, and the devil has tried with me. He has tried to make me doubt his promises. He has tried to latch on to old desires. He has tried to inspire fear, make me bend my convictions. He has tried. So when he didn't do it and he couldn't get that, he went for my body. And there are three ways I've seen him do this. Number one, sickness. Sickness. Number two, impairments. Could be a disability or some accident that just renders you incapable of doing something. And the third one is death. Death. There are some deaths, sicknesses that are not caused by natural things. I hope you know. I'm not trying to sound spooky. I'm not trying to scare you this morning. I know it's not Halloween, but it's real. We live in a wicked world. We do. Are you with me? I can't forget the time where I knew the Lord was calling me to do some very important things. This was 2020, just before the lockdown happened, COVID lockdown. And that time I was fighting for my life, fighting for my mind, and got some help, got accountability. But the devil lost. And then that week that came, it was 2020, sometime February, I think, I had, I'm not joking, five accidents in one week. Some near accidents, some actually happened. There was one that was like fume. We're about passing one place. The guy was entering the filling station, lost control of the brakes. I had to jump. I had to do, no! <laughs> Out of the damn, I'm not joking, real life. Then he hit the dispenser. Thankfully, it didn't explode. I said, ah, what is this? Another time I was passing, I looked left, looked right, nobody. Supernaturally, someone appeared. Okada. Another, man, not to even talk about the one that happened on Third Milan Bridge. I won't even get into that. But this is, <laughs> by the time I told a pastor friend, he said, this is a demonic attack. I said, I think so. <laughs> I think so too. It's not normal. He tries it. Some of you, you have health issues that are recurrent, not just with you, in your family. Every time, at the particular time of the year, you're battling something. Why not not be ignorant of his devices? Why not be more discerning and say, maybe, just maybe, he's trying to affect my health. He's trying to take my body down. Are you with me? That's the second one. The third one is this. He uses your association. Ah, this is, this is his, one of his biggest strategies. He uses, so he tries your mind, it didn't work. He tries to attack your body, it did not work. Oh yeah, now, let me bring someone into your life, seemingly harmless. And when we talk about body before, if you use the example of Jesus, they wanted to kill him. When Jesus spoke to them, he said, you people are of your father, the devil. Do you remember that scripture? It's in, let me just check, Luke chapter 4. Sorry, John chapter 8. Verse 44, he told them, you, you people, are, you are your, of your father, the devil, he was a murderer 
from the beginning because they wanted to kill him. They were inspired by the devil to attack his body. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, by association, the devil can try to get you. Have you just noticed, and maybe you can relate to this. Tell me the truth, be honest. I will tell you my own story. <laughs> Have you ever been in a place where you're like, I want to do the will of God for my life. I want to serve Jesus. I want to be an honest man, an honest woman. I don't want to have any guile. And then you're on your own, pleasing God. And somehow, someone just steps in, into your life. A friend, love interest. And then somehow, little by little, that person is influencing you. And then some of your convictions and values start to blur a little bit. And you start to find yourself doing the things you never thought you would. Let me see. Does that happen to you? See, influence is so, is so powerful. I give the story of this every time. There was a time I was so convinced that the Lord wanted me to fast. I went to the chapel in school. I prayed. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. After I leave this place, I'm going to go to another place to pray. I'm going to fast the whole day. Glory to God. As I was going, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Yes, Lord. It's all for you. Hunger and thirst. As I was walking, I saw my friend. Hey, bro, Alpha. Glory. Bless you. Bless you. And where are you going? Where are you going? Uh, I'm going to, I need to pray. I need to pray. Okay, but they are, they are doing this, um, this thing in Kafo. There's, there's discount stuff. You can get two chickens with, um, you can buy two chickens with, I think, was it 500 naira then? I said, eh. Uh, fa- are we- okay, when are they closing? Ah, they're about to close now. Eh. You, you cannot buy from me. No, 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 no. We need to go. We need to go now. Time to pray. I said, okay. Uh, okay, you know what? After we're done, we'll, we'll now. By the time we went, I went to calf, we bought the chicken, you know. But then, guess what? We saw that. Hey, how far now? That's how the whole day. By the time it was time for them to lock the gates, I couldn't pray again. And I just realized that just one person's influence deterred my direction completely. And they might not know. I've heard stories of people who... Can I talk? Someone... (laughs) The reason why this one is a bit funny, and it's not funny, to be honest... A course mate, she was in another department, but she was in engineering. And she was such a champion for sexual purity. She was brought up from a church you, well, you probably already know. They were so big on sexual purity. She would always talk about it. In fact, she used to give me these judgmental eyes whenever I'm around ladies. And I'm just, you know, maybe we're just very free. We're talking. So I say, hmm, um, Kenneth, be careful. Uh, what do you mean? The way you're always just friendly. Be, be careful. Or you know how the devil does this. Okay, thank you. And then this was someone, such a champion. Then she jackpot, went to the UK, wasn't going to church. She was saying she was trying to find the right church. Okay. And then she started talking to someone, talking stage. And then the person happened to move to the UK too. And then, you know, we've been talking for a long time. Let's meet. 
And oh man, devil is wicked. Though. From just conversations like that to little boundary breaking to eventually, the thing happened. You know what I'm talking about? It happened. And such that she said, <laughs> oh God. It opened a door she could not shut. So when that did not work out, the next guy that gave her attention, she did the same thing. And in, in one month, I hope I'm not exaggerating, let me see. Maybe one or two months, she had slept with five men, five different guys. Now, I'm not trying to shame her. What I'm trying to say is this. It's, association is critical in the outcome of your life. Who you hang out with, the people that are your greatest influences, shape. we are product of influences. Do you know that? It's very subtle. Very subtle. You just find out that you start talking differently, thinking different because of that friend that is in your life. Oh, she might not be a Christian, Christian like that, but she's fun to be around with. We grew up together. Hmm. Be careful. If we use the situation of our Lord Jesus Christ, this was the Messiah. He had someone who was dear to him by name of Peter. What did Peter do that warranted what Jesus said? Oh, no. <laughs> that he was talking about his death. I'm going to die. This temple will be destroyed. And in three days, he said, no, no, Lord. So fight. It will not happen to you that you will die. No way. And how did Jesus respond? Oh, you're so cute, Peter. Oh, you don't want me to die. Oh, stop. How did he respond? Get it behind me, Peter. What did he say? Get, that, get it behind me, Satan. There are some people in your life you need to say it like that. Don't call them by their name. Call them by their influence. <laughs> I've said it only once in my life. And I had to apologize. Because <laughs> the person didn't understand. It was 2020. 20, yes, 2020. That the devil had tried my mind. He had tried my body in 2021. And then later, sorry, 2020, I beg your pardon. Later in that 2020, someone came. And maybe I've shared this before, I don't know. Someone came, slid into my DMs, and said they want to be discipled. I said, oh, that's great. These are the terms and conditions for discipleship. Send the PDF file. All the boundaries, yada, 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 yada. And she was like, oh, I'm fine with it. I got your number from this friend. And because those are people I trust, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And before I knew it, long story short, I will leave my phone, come back to my phone, 18 missed calls, 23 texts. Kilo Day, what's happening? Oh, I don't know. I was just thinking, I'm just, I'm so lonely. I just need to talk to someone. Okay, yeah, let's talk. Again, calls, 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 calls. It now moved from all of that to saying, I feel like I'm not loved. Tell me you love me. <laughs> hey. Tell me you love me. Hey. I even tried to be smart. I said, you know God loves you, and you know, we love you as children of God. I was trying to... She was like, no, I want to hear that you love me. I said, <laughs> we'll talk later. This person persisted. Long story short, and I'll say this as honestly, as transparently as possible. She wanted to do everything that, do you think I'm beautiful? 
do you think, let me show you I'm beautiful. She sent me a nude picture. Immediately I did, she did that. I blocked, deleted the picture, called my guy, Casey. I said, bro, <laughs> come and save me. <laughs> I am not joking. This is a real life story. My wife knows. Real life story. <laughs> and then she continued. She got another number. Called me. Called me. This is how I solved the case. And I said, I, call, I picked the call. I said, if you call me again, I'm going to call the police on you. And they will deal with you. That's what I said. Even though I know what will happen. Hello? Uh, chairman, what's happening? Uh, police, this is what's going on. What do you mean? The girl likes you. She's sending you a picture. What's the problem? <laughs> In fact, give me a number. Give me a number. <laughs> But sure, that's how it stopped. And that's, see, once you can rise above these influences, he gets your, tries to get your mind, you are victorious. You guard yourself with the word of God. You put on the whole body of armor. You wear it. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, you guard your heart. He, he fails. He tries to get your body, and you know that, look, this sickness is not of God. In the name of Jesus, be gone. You take authority over it in Christ Jesus. You win. And then when he tries to bring the association, you are now more discerning. You know who to be around. You know which friends to take. You know which people to block, archive, whatever things you do. <laughs> to cut off those associations. Once you do that, see, you will always, mark my words, you will always win. You will always be victorious. If you can protect this part of your life against the influence of the enemy, you will always win. Say that. I will always win. I will protect all the influences of my life. And I will always win. Praise Jesus. It's something to think about. What are the things in my life that maybe I've just not realized that the devil is taking a foothold for so long? You, you don't, you're not even in control of your time anymore because there are these thoughts he has latched onto and it's a cycle of addictions. You've not gotten help. And you are there. You're not in control of your time, your, your, your devotion. You're not in control of anything. We're not ignorant of his devices. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. So let me help you. What I want to do today in today's teaching is I want to help you understand the new life that you have. We've been talking about the grace of God for two months now. And I want you to know that you have a new life. It's a new life that God gave you when you believed in his gospel. I want to help you understand what you have. Because when they look at you, you may look like you're wearing a shirt and trousers. What do you really have to your name? Your bank account is red. But you have something that eyes have not even seen. Even your eyes. You have a rich life. Say, I have a rich life. Oh, you have a beautiful life too. Let me show you this. Philemon chapter 1 from verse 6. Philemon has only one. Chapter, let me help you read it for the first time in how many years? Yes, now. Are you with your Bibles? Open it up. I want your full attention, please. Full attention. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. I need to re-echo what I said before. Influence. Lord is telling me about someone. You, you've started conversations with this person. 
your conscience has not let you rest. You know this is not the right person to be having a conversation with. Please cut it off. Please cut it off. The person is on this side. Please cut. If you're on this side, so take it too. Don't. But the specific word is for someone here. You're seeing the influences of that person in your life. Cut it off. The Lord is, is asking me to help you. Philemon 1 verse 6. Are you there? All right. I'm going to read um, from the King James and I'll read the Amplified. It says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. The context is there was a guy called Onesimus who, you know, got saved and Paul had cared for, but he offended Philemon. And Paul is writing to Philemon saying, look, forgive this guy. Let the communication of your faith be effectual when you acknowledge every good thing that we have in Christ Jesus. I will explain what that means. But let me show you the Amplified. It says, and I pray that the participation in sharing of your faith may produce and promote full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing. Say every good thing. That is ours in our identification with Christ and unto his glory. He's saying, look, there is fruit that comes from acknowledging every good thing that you have in Christ Jesus. You have good things in Christ Jesus. Did you know that? Do you believe that? Good things, in fact, great things. And he says, until you acknowledge these things, until you know what you really have as a believer in Christ, you will not bear fruits. You will not be productive for the Lord's use. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what I want to help you is to acknowledge every good thing that you already have. I'm not trying to tell you what to get. I'm telling you what you have so you can put it to good use. Imagine you are in your house with your family and they're about to, God forbid though, they want to, I was about to say, I'm rob you. Is that how you say it? <laughs> they want to shout rob you. And they come with their knives. Are you with me? In fact, I think the reality dawned on me when I, when I went to Texas and I realized that the average person on the road can have a gun and you don't have to be a police officer. Their gun laws are crazy. You go to a shop and they say, leave your guns behind. Anyways, so imagine you're in your house and you're about to be robbed, but your father has a gun stashed somewhere, but you don't know. And these guys come with their knives. Hey, bring your money. If you don't bring your money, I will, I will cut you with this thing. They're threatening you. But you have a gun. You didn't know. They brought a knife to a gunfight, but it's not a gunfight because you didn't even know you had the gun. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are a lot of things that you are being oppressed by that you don't even realize you have more power than those things. And so, not because you don't have that thing, that's not why you lost, because you didn't know you had it and you couldn't put it to use. Have I confused you? There is profiting when you acknowledge every good thing that you have in Christ. The reason why people, if you were like me, and you've had, you've come out for more than one altar call before in your life. Let me see. Whether the approach is, oh, if you want to rededicate your life to Christ, you've been backsliding, moonwalking, whatever, and you want to come back to Jesus, come forward, and you lift up holy hands, you cry, this is the last time, Lord. 
you come out again, ah, you made a mistake, oh, and you come back, ah, you are born again, again, hey. <laughs> it has happened, but the reason why a lot of people do that is because of wrong knowledge. You don't have the right knowledge. You don't realize that what I told you last time is you're born again, but there's work to be done. There's sanctification. There's growth to happen. And because you're not growing as you should doesn't mean that you lost the salvation you received. And then maybe in that time you are saying, Lord, re restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. You are singing something that someone who was under the old covenant was singing. He has given you a right spirit. You have the joy of salvation already. So don't undo what God has done even in your songs. Are you with me? It's right knowledge. Right knowledge. The reason why when you are praying, maybe you can relate, and they take light, and you are... <laughs> And you just finished praying about all your enemies and all the demons. And then they took light. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then that jacket you hung on the wall. You're now not sure. Is this a jacket? <laughs> and you are, you are literally afraid, having a panic attack. Do you know who you are? Do you realize, the Bible, I mean, we sing the song, Demons Tremble at His Presence, Abby. You know the song? Is it true? They tremble. When Jesus came to, to deliver someone, they said, Lord, don't touch us, torture us or torment us before our time. They were afraid. Lord, have mercy. He, he went to the temple to, to read and the demons, the Bible says the demons cried out. They tremble. Oh. But where is God's presence now? Hey, where is his presence now? God dwells in you by his spirit. So when they come to you, if you, if, you, if you only knew who you were, if it's rats, no problem. But demon. <laughs> I'd rather you're afraid of a rat than demon. I'll confess, last week, we had a rat in our house. <laughs> hey, and as powerful as the Lord has made me by his spirit. Oh boy. Let's not talk about it. Amen. Hallelujah. And what about this? It's all about right knowledge. What about this? You were driving on the road, or maybe you were with someone who was driving, and someone just brushed by you. Terrible driver. Ah, what nonsense? What? I beg, let's chase that guy. Let's, let's corner him. You come down. What is your problem? You are foolish, foolish man. How? What, 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 what are you We should take your license. And the person is yabbing you back. You are yabbing, yabbing, yabbing. You, you didn't even know when you moved your shirt. You are angry, you are aggressive. And then by the time all of that happens, ah, this guy's maybe the guy has driven away. You now get a phone call. And someone calls you and says, Please, I feel very sick. Can you pray for me that I'm healed? Ah. <laughs> are you sure it's me you want to do this thing? Ah, can I call you back? <laughs> Because then and there, you start to feel the guilt. But I, I just manifested something now. All the anger. I can't possibly pray for you and you get healed. There was one time that God wanted to prove to me that it's not by my holiness or by my power. 
but by his power that he heals people. It was a time where, oh, I won't lie to you. It was in chapel. I won't forget. It was in chapel, and I had just had an argument with someone. We literally had an argument. It was about friendship. Why, you know? I thought I gave my defense. We debated. I said some things I shouldn't have said. They said this bad. I was like, mm. I was so upset. And someone came to meet me, sat beside me, and said I should pray for them. I said, hmm. I was about to say, I'm sorry, but I'm not in the mood right now. But the Lord said, pray for this person. I felt so much, I'm not lying, I felt so much guilt. But then I realized that, see, it's not by my power, it's not by my holiness. God wants to meet a need. I am not perfect, and God is not expecting perfection, but he's expecting obedience. Immediately I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Be healed by the power of Jesus. Right now you're going to feel relief. And as we're talking, she was already like, she was laughing. That the pain she was having, um, the doctor said that she had kidney stones, she needed to pass it out. But as we were praying, the thing was just dissolving. Just like that. She went to check it out. The stones were gone. And I said, hey, God, this God. <laughs> it's right knowledge. But I've missed an opportunity to deliver someone who was in so much pain. Right knowledge. Say right knowledge. right knowledge. When you acknowledge the good things that you have in Christ, you will always bear fruit. Same thing that applies to people who make mistakes and stay away from church. I say this all the time, and I'm going to say it like 5,000 more times, because we're going to see it happen. And I'm going to be as aggressive as possible as your pastor. If you don't come to church, my listen now, I'm saying it's in the presence of all the, if you don't come to church, you do not tell me ahead of time that this is the problem. I would assume you are messing up somewhere and you feel guilt and you are, you are isolating yourself. Are you with me? That's my default until you can prove otherwise. So, anyways, so some of you will have some conversations to have after service. Amen. But that's wrong knowledge. Wrong knowledge. When you are sick, you don't run away from the hospital. When you're dirty, you don't run away from the shower. This is where it happens. This is where you can be strengthened. I don't know. Yes, it's been there for a long time. This is all you've ever known. But do you believe the power of Jesus? Do you believe the power, the transforming power of the Lord to save you? Glory to God. Ah, we need to do better. Some of you have accommodated one sickness for too long. It's, it's time for it to go. Right knowledge. So the, the believer does not really have a power problem. The believer, because of what Jesus has done, does not have a sin problem. The problem that many of us have as to why we are not reaching the potential God wants us to reach is knowledge. We have a knowledge gap. We don't know. We don't know or we've forgotten what we've known. Are you with me? God wants you to know, God will acknowledge, and then put to practice what you know. That's how you bear fruit. So let me talk to you quickly. My time is, is being far spent. I want to talk to you about the vivified life. And that's the title of our teaching. We've never done this before. We've never titled any of our teachings. So this is, this is special. And you witnessed it live. Powerful. Um, I want to use this opportunity to also just... I want us to just say hello to those who are online. I know that we, we try to do this as much as possible, but sometimes we forget. Guys, online, 
take your high five. We love you. Thank you so much. And the guys here love you. Thank you for joining and streaming live with us. So let me tell you about this vivified life. The word vivify means to enliven and to make alive. It's actually the root word for revival. Revival means to bring to life again. Revive. Revivify. Do you get the idea? So when we say vivify, it means a life that was brought to life. That was dead, was enlivened. And that is our testimony. We were dead in our transgressions, remember. But Christ has what? He has quickened us. He has brought us to life. So you, you live a new life. And that's what I want to describe. The first thing is you have a new life. The vivified life is a new life. That's point number one. Is it on the screen? Is it on the screen? Slide woman, help me. The new life. And what this means is the old is gone. Hallelujah. It is brand new. I've said it. And I think we need to carry that consciousness more. That the life you have is a new life. And this new life you have is your best life. It's the sweetest life you ever have. It's new. I don't care how long you've been in darkness. I don't care how long you've been in sin. The new life is a new life. Every new day is a new start, a fresh start with the Lord. The Bible says his mercies are what? New every morning. It's a new life. The vivified life is also a sacred life. It's a sacred life. <clears throat> and what that means is you've been called out. You've been made separate. How can you be a light and still look like darkness? You've been called out. You know that scripture, right? Which is also a song in 1 Peter 2.9. We are what? A chosen generation. What else? A royal priesthood. A what? A holy nation. In fact, help me put that picture up. I had a chat with someone just a few minutes before I started preaching. And this guy put this on his status. I'm not joking. He called himself whatever, prophet. <laughs> and he said, holy or not, pray for forgiveness regardless. The thought of you being holy is an act of sin. Only God is. May the good Lord be good, be with us all. May our days be long in joy and laughter. And I said, this is not correct. <laughs> Those who believe in Jesus are made holy. That's what I told him. And then we had a whole discussion and he's getting to see what I'm saying. This was just now, this morning. And suddenly, someone can sit and say, ah, you make sense, prophets, ah, yes, ah, nobody's holy except God. And you miss the point. Everything God is and does is so that we can also be and do. He said, be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's the point. He didn't just create us to say, ah, let me show you I'm good, big, holy, glamorous, and you are subservient, you are nothing, you are little. The point is he's everything he is so that we can be like him. He, he invited us to the table and said everything is on the table. Of course, except his glory. Everything else is for his glory. But what, he wants us to share in that glory. Are you with me? So he made us a holy nation. We are set apart. He used the Jews to, to symbolize it when he separated them from the Gentiles, when he told them not to eat certain things or wear something, certain things. He was trying to give a picture of what holy looked like, where you are set apart. The latter part, I think verse 10 says, 
we've been called out of darkness into marvelous light. Not just light. The light that shines brightly. So what I'm trying to say is the life you have now is not one where you walk in a room and no one knows who you are. It's impossible. How do you think the first Christians were named in Antioch? By observation. They saw them in Antioch. They said, you people, literally, oh my goodness. Imagine we, oh, imagine we went as a group. We left this confines of a building of a church and we went on the streets and by our speech, our mannerism, by our love, they say, ah, you people, are you people Christians? Ah, why, why do you think that? You remind me of Christ. I see Christ when I see you people. That's the idea. I went to a shopping mall. This was 2000 and... I don't like to miss the exact dates. I should have planned it. I didn't plan to share this. It was 2012. 2012. I had, um, I had traveled with my family. We wanted to go see someone. And we're in this supermarket. And then I was just talking to someone on the counter. We were checking out the stuff. I think it was Macy's or one of those stores. We are just talking, talking. And, you know, I love, I love their customer service over there. Just, this is just a side note. In Nigeria, is uh, what do you want? Uh, okay. Uh, um, savings or currents? Uh, okay. Have a good day, sir. Next. This one is, hey, how are you? How are you doing? Happy holidays. I hope you're great. Awesome. Do you have any coupons? I'm like, that's, that's it. Yes. I love that. Talk to me. <laughs> so we had a conversation, a banter, and then someone by the side, an elderly lady, black woman, she was just walking past, and she looked at my mom. She said, my goodness, do you know you have a man of God right there? He's a man of God. He's a Christian, but a man of God. Oh, my goodness. Hello, sir. Do you know you're a man of God? 2012. You know you're a man of God? Maybe that one is discernment. That one, because, anyways. But she could recognize. She heard me speak immediately. She just knew. You, you can walk in a room, and people, they might not like what you believe, but they can know who you are. And that's far more important. Not that you go somewhere, nobody knows your stance. They've never heard you talk about Jesus. Your social media, empty of Jesus. Of course, <laughs> the opposite is, the case, is also an issue. Which brings me to one life. The vivified life is one life. I'll explain what that means. I saw a tweet. One of those days where I said, let me just go on Twitter. And no, not during the match. No, I didn't do that for my mental health. So, <clears throat> this lady, <laughs> her bio says, um, um, small girl, big God, Jesus baby. I said, okay, nice. And I said, <laughs> and I started reading the tweets. I said, eh? Literally, she was a prostitute. Or sex worker. No jokes. She's the kind of person that you can DM whatever you want. She will give you whatever you want. You know that kind of, you understand? If you know it, let's have a conversation. But, <laughs> but you get the picture. And I was calling. And then that morning, 7 a.m., she tuned in for NSPPD prayers. God bless my hustle. Hey! 
With your mouth, you go and say, hey, is that this work you're doing? God should bless it. Ha. One life. God wants one life. Where what you stand for is wholesome. You're not saying, this is what I am on Sunday, and then Monday to Friday, I'm something else. That on stage, you are pala te kumbra tala. And in your room, you are something else. God wants a unity of your life. A unity of living where you are the same person in secret and in the open. That's the life you've been called to. I know it sounds like a lot of pressure, but it's doable. It's possible. When you come to church, you're not putting up a front. This is who you are. See, I would rather you come to church, you use the F word anyhow, let us know that's who you are, and we get you to where you should be. Not that you come to church, you see, I was just, I was, you know, you, you now, you know, that was just effing wrong, you know. Say the word, say it, no problem. We will not be offended. Let me, let me know who you are. Do you get what I'm saying? A lot of us, we do church so well, we come, we pretend, and then we are something else. God wants wholesome, no hypocrisy. Whether with the leadership of the church or with someone who is just brand new. God wants us to have that unity. Are you following what I'm saying? If it feels like I'm offending you, it means the work, the work is being done. <laughs> the, the life you have is not religion. We sang this song, Zoe. The God life, it's not religion. Christianity is not just moral excellence, even though it involves it. It's not just religion, even though it, revo- it involves religious practices. Christianity is a life that produces a lifestyle. That's what it is. I think it was Kenneth Hagin that first said that. Christianity is a life, and that life produces a lifestyle. So you're not trying, a lot of people try to get the lifestyle and fake it till you make it. There's a life that surges within you. Feed that life with the word, with acknowledging all the good things you have in Christ, effortlessly you start to see the lifestyle consistent with that life flow forth. Have I lost you? That's what Christianity is. God wants us to live this life irrevocably for him. That our stance is clear, that we shine as light in darkness, that we are light in this world, salt of the earth. Amen. I want you to make up your mind. Wherever you see, like, look, I am just... Maybe pulling up a front, a facade, a picture to impress people. Drop it. I really don't care. I'm not impressed by those things. I'd rather you are clean and you come clean, actually. You come and say all the dirt that you need the Lord to work on you for. And we get you the help. We strengthen you, give you the right tools to win. That's what I prefer. If there's anything I want to do as a church, do differently. I want us to say the things that people are not saying. We have a, a congregation where people are suffering in silence and no one is doing anything about it. Not this church. Not this church. Not that we come up and lift up holy hands and, and put up our Sunday's best and that's not who we are on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. A transparent church. A real church. Authentic, but also a church that is passionate to grow. Amen. Are we that church? Glory to God.
Say no hypocrisy in my life. I'll be the same person in private as I am in public. And the last thing I'll say is the life, the vivified life is an endless life. Think about it. It's a life that will never end. It will never end. If scientists gathered together and they said, let's figure out a way to make a formula or a technological device or an elixir that can at least extend your life by 10 years. How much do you think they'll sell it for? A product that if you buy it now, you will live for confirmed 10 years. How much do you think they'll sell it for? Eh? In dollars. A million dollars. A billion dollars. Maybe not, but it's, it's worth that, actually, to be fair. If you spend a billion, and I mean, there's only a handful of those who can afford it, but if they say maybe $10,000, you buy this thing, you live for 10 more years, would it be worth the investment? It would make sense, small, practically. And then the reality is that we have an elixir that we've drunk off. Ay, 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 it is infinity. Infinity. You will live forever. Eternal life. Everlasting life literally means everlasting. It will last forever. That's the life you have. Say amen. We'll talk about this more around Easter. I want to show you, I want to give you the details of what that means. But the life you have is an endless life. Whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Glory to God. So when we talk about the new life, the vivified life, or the new creation, there are two parts of this, and this is where I'm going to close. There are two sides to it. You have who you are, and that means your position, your identity, who you are, and what you have. That is your possession. Are you following me? When it comes to who you are as a believer, you need to think of it in two ways. Who am I? What is my identity? You know that guy? What's your identity? I don't know where he is now. But what's your identity? Who are you? And then what do you have as a result of who you are? Amen. Let's start with the first one. What I'm going to do after this is if you're on the group chat on WhatsApp, there's this thing we compiled, the ABCs of, I think it's ABCs of salvation, of the new life, where we talk about who you are, all the ABCs to Z, and what you have A to Z. I'm not going to do that today. I'm just going to touch on the overall um, idea of it, but remind me that we need to share that. Amen. So who are you? Number one, you are adopted. You are adopted. And this means you are a child of God. You weren't part of God's family, but now you are part of God's family. Hallelujah. That's who you are. You belong to God. You are God's child. Romans chapter 8 from verse 15. We read this already, but I'm going to read till 17. Quickly. Romans 8, 15 to 17. Can I have three people read this? 15, 16, 17. We'll do it from this side. Then the next scripture we'll take here. Do we have a second microphone? Or let me just hand it to someone. So verse 15, who wants to read? 15, 16, 17. Okay, 15, 16, 17. 
We'll come to you later. Are you ready? Yeah. Um, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Hallelujah. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. God bless you. Thank you. Put your hands together for them. He's saying that not just... How often is it, and Angelo yesterday was sharing his ex experience. I think Angelo has been to at least 27 families. Am I correct? Foster homes. Man, that does a lot to a person. But he said something that even though he was adopted, the kind of ownership he has into that house is limited. There are some things he cannot do, and by the time they are writing the will, there are some things that will not come to him, or not at all. Do you agree? But he said the type of adoption that happened to you was... You became a child, and then you became an heir. There's an inheritance. You have something to your name. Oh, beautiful. Say, I am a child of God. See, the reality that God is Father is one of the biggest revelations of God. The Israelites saw him as Jairah when he provided. Saw him as Raphael when he healed. Saw him as their protection when he, you know, Nisi, the banner over them. They saw him in those types, those shadows, but in the New Testament, we can call him Abba Father. He is not just King, he is Father. He is not just Lord, he is Father. He is not just Master, he is Father. There's relationship now. Hallelujah. So even if, sadly, your earthly example is not showing you what should be, you have someone who shows you the real deal, your real Father. Amen. Hallelujah. 1 John 3, 1 to 2. This side, quickly. Who would like to read? 1 John 3, verse 1 to 2. Okay, you, who else? And you, okay, so 1 and 2. 1. 1 John 3, verse 1. See how very much our Father loves us. For He calls us His children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Okay, okay. <laughs> Behold, what manner of love. <laughs> the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. All right. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Can you shout aloud, hallelujah? hallelujah. This is what I was talking about. Everything that he is, he is inviting you to also be that, that you can resemble him in all that he is. Do you understand? Say, I'm a child of God. That's a powerful reality. The second thing that you are is you are blessed. Number two, you are blessed. 
You're blessed. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. We're going to go to 7, but I want us to start at 3. You know the scripture. If you've been a part of this ministry for a while, you will know it for sure. Blessed be the Lord. Are you there? Ephesians 1, verse 3. What does it say? Come on, guys. No, 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 no. No, no, not here. Let's do it better. One, two, go. The Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. And some people read, and this is how I was. I read it, and I was like, ah, you should have at least, Paul, you should have at least told us, what are these spiritual blessings? Is it that we can part oceans or fly in the spirit? Like, what is this? What are these spiritual blessings? He lists them, and one of them that is very important to note is, is verse 7. Go to verse 7. What does it say? Oh. Hallelujah. That's it. That's it. In him you have redemption. The word redemption is what happened when Hosea, we talked about him last week. Remember, he went to buy this woman again who he had once married and went back into her adultery. He bought her back. Right? That's why he says we are God's purchased possession. We were bought with his blood. Amen. And because of that, he says, you have what? The forgiveness of sins. Say, I am forgiven. Say, I am forgiven. Acts chapter 10, 43. This is when Peter spoke to Cornelius and he was preaching the gospel as a gist. He was just gisting this guy. Just before him and his entire family started to burst out in, tongue, in tongues. He said this, to him, talking about our Lord Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives what? Forgiveness of sins through his name. That's the blessing you have. You are blessed. And, and of course, I'll talk more about these blessings. But I want to zoom in on this. You, are, you have been forgiven. Say, I've been forgiven. First John 2, 1-2 says that as well. You have an advocate of the Father, Jesus Christ. He's the propitiation of our sins. Verse 12 says, I write to you, little children, because you are forgiven. For his name's sake. And then Romans 3 verse 24 says, Even though all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So who you are is a forgiven man. You are blessed with forgiveness. Say, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. with forgiveness. I am blessed with justification. My sins have been atoned for. That is a blessing. And that's why David said, blessed is the man. To whom what? God will not impute sin. That is a blessing. Perish the idea that blessing is always material. It's on the school. They didn't help us, I know. Abraham's blessings. Um, and you are thinking money. You are thinking ram. I don't know what you are thinking. Mansion. It, the blessing of Abraham, we talked about it then, right? It was that the Spirit promised would come upon those who believe like Abraham. Simple. So when you think blessings, don't always think, ah, it's, it's wealth, it's money. Mm -mm. There are more things worth more than money. Amen. Number three, we talked about this a bit more before. You are consecrated. That's who you are. You've been called out of darkness to light. First Thessalonians 4, 7 says, For God has not called us for impurity, but he has called us in holiness. He has called us into holiness. You are set apart. And maybe you are going to, in fact, 
Should I give you a sneak peek? Next month, this is, we've, we're laying the groundwork now. Next month is going to be very practical. The teaching series, tentatively, is going to be called Grow Up. Thank you for that thunderous. Woo! It's going to be called Grow Up. We're going to everything that you need to grow up. There's a teaching that will be titled Don't Be Petty. So we're talking about things like that. That grow up. All right? But all of this is going to border around sanctification. Where God can work on us to be better. Do you understand? If you've been consecrated, it must show that you are truly for the Lord and the Lord alone. Are you with me? And you're going to use your life as a symbol of that. When you stand before God on that last day, where you will give an account for every word, you say, Lord, I lived a consecrated life. You know, I lived for you. You are my one priority amongst everything else. Amen. Amen. You've been consecrated. Number four, you are righteous. You are righteous. You have right standing with God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Romans 8, verse 1. You're righteous. When you stand before God, you have a bold confidence to stand before him. Having therefore boldness to enter into what? The holies of holies by the blood of Jesus. He has made a way for us through his flesh that was crucified on the cross. He's made a way for us. The veil in the temple was torn as a symbol of access. So you are, you are righteous. When God sees you, he sees you as he sees his son. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's one of the things you inherited. You are a joint heir with Christ. If Christ is righteous, then you are righteous. The Bible says we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And number five is you are in Christ. That's who you are. You are in Christ. I'm going to read this scripture because it's important. I'm going to read where we read Ephesians 1, 3. I'm going to read 3 and 4. Uh-oh. <laughs> How does the time fly? It's a mystery I've not, I've not unpacked. Ephesians 1, 3, verse, uh, Ephesians 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he has chosen us in him for the foundation of the world. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's move. Next point. I'm joking. The point I'm trying to say is he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Where? In Christ. Then verse 4 says this. Just as he has chosen us in Christ before the foundations of the world, everything you would enjoy from the Lord is because you are where? Where's your location? Where's your position? That's, that's where you belong, in Christ. Colossians says it this way, it says your life is hidden in Christ who is in God. Your life is hidden. It's, it's inseparable from the life of Christ. Hallelujah. Inseparable. Why did I pick this up? I was not trying to joke. Amen. Do you get what I'm saying? You are in Christ. Say, I'm in Christ. Hallelujah. Let's talk about your possessions now. What you have. Number one, I'm just going to make two points. Number one, you have the name of Jesus. You have the name of Jesus. Oh, this will, this will set a lot of people free. You have the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Matthew 28, verse 18. Matthew 28, verse 18.
Are we there? It says, and Jesus, Jesus came and said to them, all authority, all what? In where? Come on, are you guys seeing this? Has been given to me in where? Heaven and earth. He's telling his disciples. And then what does he now say to them in the next verse? Go therefore. Therefore, when you see this word therefore, you need to know what is therefore, right? So he said, all authority has been given to me. As a result of this, go. What does that mean? You are going with that same authority I have. Are you with me? There's something that I've said. If it happened recently, I'm trying to remember what exactly happened. Um, and let me give you this example. I was trying to talk to a vendor one time. We needed something for stuff. And the vendor was like, we we're on the phone. I was like, okay, what do you need? This is just talking to me anyhow. I was like, ah, it's you. I want, to, I want to help your business. Why are you? And then I said, okay, I am from Mrs. Olusonya. That's my mom. Ah, Mrs. Olusonya. Okay, okay. So what do you need, my dear? I said, I look at you. Can you imagine? The idea is that when I went to speak to this vendor, my mom actually said, tell her you are from me. In a sense, I went in her name. Do you get what I'm saying? If I come to you and I say, guys, we're in school. Just imagine you are still in school. If you're in school, then no need to imagine. Um, and then you are writing your exams. Or you are preparing for your exams. Exams are in three weeks' time. I said, guys, hey! Guys, guys, guys. Exams are next week. Eh? Well, I beg, guys, sit down. Go and read, I beg. Exams are next week. What do you mean? Is it three weeks from now? No, 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 no. It's next week. It's next week. How come? I have the paper to prove it. Uh -uh. It is signed by our chancellor, C. He sent me to tell you. Now, what was a joke became immediately very serious because you came in the name of who? The chancellor. When we say name, we're not saying that when you want to pray, you say in Jesus' name. Some of you think in Jesus' name is that send button in an email, that until you say in Jesus' name, the message will not go. It's not true. You can say a prayer and not say in Jesus' name, and it's, it's God will hear you. Do you know that? The word name means onoma. It means, in Greek, it's onoma. It means authority. It means in the person's stead, in the reputation, as if the person themselves were there. That's why when he sent his disciples to heal, he said, go in my name and get people healed. And they did. With the authority Jesus gave them, they did all those things. So you have the authority of Jesus. Are you with me? And that's what gives you access to the power of the Spirit. All the power and the gifts of the Spirit is because you have access through the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish I could unpack this. Read Luke chapter 9 verse 1 as well. Then read Galatians 5.16. Mark 16, 17. That one is very popular, right? Whoever believes in me, these signs shall follow them. In my name, they will what? They will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will do what? They will eat deadly things, drink deadly poisons, take up serpents. Nothing will harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and what? 
The sick might, maybe, but shall recover in my name. In my name. Hallelujah. Focus on me, guys. Focus on me. Amen. In my name. Hallelujah. So see, I have the name of Jesus. I have the authority of Jesus. That's why when demons come, you can go in the name and dismantle their operations. They are nothing compared to you. Hallelujah. And the second thing you have is a glorious inheritance. A glorious inheritance. To be fair, everything you have is a glorious inheritance, but I wanted to separate this for good reason. And what this means is, and let me just explain it to you again, like we said, you are a child. You're not a child without inheritance. You have an inheritance. Colossians 1.12 says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to what? To share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You have an inheritance. Say, I have an inheritance. It says in 1 Peter 1 verse 4, that we've been brought to a living hope to an inheritance that is what? Imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You have an inheritance, guys. The sum total of all God has promised you will be yours. You're going to have a resurrected body. You're going to live forever. You're going to receive eternal rewards. You have an inheritance. Hallelujah. So this is where I end, for real this time. What is it? This is where I end. Expectations of the new life. Expectations of the new life. If you notice, a lot of the teachings that we've had are very systematic and point-wise. It's just for this season. It's so that it sinks in, so that you can refer, so that you can follow through. Number one, the expectations of the new life. Number one, that you are dead. Some of the words I'm going to say don't sound nice, but you'll get the point. You are dead. Say I'm dead. Say I'm a dead guy. <laughs> Paul was replying to the Romans in Romans chapter 6. And they were asking the question, oh, I, I, if there's grace that is so abundant when we sin, are you saying we should continue in sin so that more grace will abound? Let's help God's work. Right? How did he reply? God forbid, how are we who are dead to sin? How can we live any longer to it? Let me ask you, if someone is dead now and you slap them, would they feel the slap? Are they affected by it? The idea of being dead to sin means sin is no longer an issue with you. Where you get to a point where you are truly dead, immune to sin. Glory to God. It says in verse 6, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Colossians 3 verse 3 says, For you died. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Hallelujah. Say, I died and I'm dead. Dead to sin, but alive to God. Hallelujah. Number two, you are enslaved. That's the expectation of the new life. You are enslaved. Don't worry, it makes sense. 
Romans 8 verse 12 to 13. I'll read it very quickly. Are we there? Romans 8, 12 to 13. Is he also on the screen? It says, so then, brothers, we are what? Debtors. Pause. It says, see, at the end of the day, everybody is a debtor. At the end of the day, everyone is a slave to something. But he says, we are debtors, but not to what? Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the Spirit you put, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will what? Live. And Romans 6, 16 says this, that whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are a slave to it. And he tries to give you the distinction. It's either you are a slave of righteousness or a slave of unrighteousness. There's no in-between. But what is it? What God wants is that his people are enslaved to righteousness. Where no matter what being a slave means, you just have to obey that thing. How about a life where all you do is obey in righteousness? Wouldn't that be beautiful? That's what God wants for us. That we are enslaved to righteousness. Anything can be your master, from money to, to power to drugs to anything. But what God wants is he wants to be master of your life. The righteous one. That you are enslaved to him. And he's the best master. Amen. Number three. Expectation of the new life is that you are a copycat. I know they're not the right words, but or they don't sound nice. Bear with me. God wants you to be a copycat. 2 Corinthians 5, from verse 18 to 20. I'll read this and we move on. It, make, it will make sense to you. Are we there? 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusted them unto us, the, the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore we are what? Ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. An ambassador is someone who stands instead of someone. God wants that you are an exact replica of him. That wherever you go, people can, when he says, let your light so shine before men. God is not impressed by your light, but men will be. He doesn't need your light. Let your light shine so that men can see God in you. That's the point. So that men can see you and say, you remind me of this man, Jesus. You remind me of God. You are not normal. To be an ambassador, true and true. Amen. Baby steps, it sounds like a big task, but it's as simple as just loving God daily and wanting to be like Him. That's as simple as it is. And before you know it, people will tell, you will know when it's happening, when people just come across and tell you, ah, you inspire me. Ah, what do you mean? What did I do? I don't know. Something about you, something about you. It's just, it's just, there's something, you, do you understand? You represent something deeper than what I see. You, God must be in you. How about that? The best compliment I ever had in my life, when someone told me, you remind me of Jesus, I cried like a baby that day. And I don't cry. And when I cry, I said, Jesus. I was happy and sad because the body now, what if tomorrow I don't look like you? <laughs> and I said, hey, you are pretending. 
God wants you to be a copycat. God wants you to be an ambassador. Number four, he wants you obsessed. He wants you obsessed. I'll read one scripture. I need to make sense. Hallelujah. He wants you to be as obsessed as he is for people. Romans 9 verse 1 to 4. Romans 9, 1 to 4. Are you being blessed? I really hope so. I really hope so. Oh God, do in your people what you want. Make them more like you. No more pretense, no more fronting. Just transparent, same, true and true, looking like you. In Jesus' name, Romans 9, verse 1 to 4. Are you there? It says, I tell you the truth in Christ, and I see the passion of an obsessed man speaking. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing witness in the Holy Spirit. Verse 2. That I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertains the adoptions, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the Lord, the service of the Lord, and the promises. What he's trying to say here is, if it means that my Jewish brothers come to see the light and me, I am I'm cast away, I would rather do that for their sake. Oh my goodness. And he says he's not lying. The Spirit bears witness. If it means that I die for others to live, I will do it. But I need my people to know the Lord. God wants you obsessed for people, about people. That your passion is evident. That you want people to know the Lord. That every random conversation is an opportunity for them to know the Christ. That you always have a godly ulterior motive in your interactions with people. That it's evident you care about lives. God wants you obsessed. Say, God wants me obsessed. Uh-uh. People are sleeping. I'm going to do a ro- I need a ball. One of the children's balls. If you are sleeping, I will throw it on you. I'm helping you. Till you get it right. Amen. Sorry, quick question. I am not insecure, but I just need to ask. Am I a boring preacher? Please, just let me know. Am I boring? Or is it Eba that you ate? Did you eat Eba this morning? So why are you sleeping? Okay, now. I wish we had another camera showing the audience. We'll just send it to you in your WhatsApp. So you'll see how your square goes in the spirit. All right. God wants me obsessed. Can you say that? Hallelujah. Number five. <laughs> I thought about something. I was just comforting myself. Uticus, Uticus. If you know, you know. <laughs> Number five. God wants you. Let me not say God wants you, but the expectation of the new life is that you are scorned. You know what that means? Scorned. It means that for his name, if it means being persecuted, all well and good. If people cast you out of their association because your own is too much, as you, you're so spiritual every time, let it be. If because of your faith, you lose your job, or you are slapped in the face, or maybe at gunpoint, so be it. It says, if any man would live godly in this life, they will suffer persecution. If they persecuted me, they will what? They will persecute, they will scorn you too. It's the expectation of the new life. 
I wish I could tell you it's always sweet and candy canes and rainbows and, and marshmallows. Don't get hungry now. And it's all these beautiful things, but there'll be times where there are trials. There'll be times where there are hard things you have to give up for his name's sake. Hallelujah. Let me read the scripture to you. Matthew 5, verse 11 to 12. What I said earlier was 2 Timothy 3, 12. If you desire to live a godly life in Christ, you will suffer persecution. Not you might, you will. Matthew 5, 11 to 12. I want us to read it as loud as possible. Oh my goodness. It makes sense why Peter and John reacted the way they reacted in Acts chapter 4. Look at it. Sorry, Acts chapter 5. I beg your pardon. Where they ran out rejoicing for being persecuted. Matthew 5, 11 to 12. Are we there? Let's read it together. One, two, go. When they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Pause. He's saying this is a blessing, though. He said, blessed are you. I, I want that through these teachings we're doing, let your idea of blessing start to change. He said, you are blessed when they do what? When they offer you a good job paying $20,000 a month. That would be nice. Oh, my goodness. But he said, there's more to this blessing. If they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you, you are blessed. Verse 12, how do you respond to persecution? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great, that's the point. Great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. They will persecute you. But he's trying to remind you there is an inheritance. There is a reward in heaven waiting for you. Hallelujah. You can read first. Oh my goodness. First Peter 4.12. Sorry, I'm just going to read this one. It says, Beloved, do, you not, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon to test you as though something strange were happening to you. He said persecution should not be strange, though. If it's happening to you, it's because it's happening to you. It's expected. But great is your reward in heaven. Hallelujah. So in everything I've said, we're going to build up on this next week. We're going to do a teaching called Son, Servant, and Soldier, Part 2. We did it last year. We're going to build on it this year. I'm using this to establish who you are so that you can start to acknowledge every good thing that you have in Christ and who you are in Christ. You are beloved of God. You have his authority. You have his name. You belong to his family. You are forgiven of your sins. Hallelujah. I want you to step into it so that as we go and come, we come back next week, I want to unveil to you where your part now is in the body of Christ, what you can do, how you can live this life God has given to you and live it fruitfully. Amen. But guys, Christianity has a look. Faith has a look. You can't, you can't be a Christian and not be recognized or recognizable. Faith without works is dead, right? So if you're going to call yourself a believer in Christ, it has to show. And I'm not saying that to put pressure on you. you. You have all the help here to make that so. It's just your decision. How sold out to the Lord do you want to be? How much of a light do you want to be? How intensely do you want to shine? And I leave that up to you. Let's pray.